0: Wendy, Tomford, got a lot of love, yeah, that's for sure, got music and movies. To. said it's medicine to babe
1: tuned in to the Wendy Leavitt Show with Topher Kogan, where we don't dispense medical advice and all of your health choices are your own. This is season four, episode one, and here's Topher. Hello. Oh my God. Season four. I know. Who knew it would come so fast? It really seems so fast. I was thinking about it. We're in season four, and, and I wondered in the beginning, you know, how long we were gonna go, and here we are, still growing. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, the and then to, to finish
2: and start, well, to go through more than half of a season and now start another one, still in quarantine, still right. dealing with
1: the virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've been home now, I don't know, four and a half months, maybe yeah. more. I don't even know anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, everything's weird. Everything and even, you know. And there are some people that have never stopped. I know, there
1: are. I mean, everyone is not in the same position, and we have to remember that, you know. So, uh, But here we are. We're going to keep going. We've got some new segments this season. You have Mm -hmm. your own segment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have a little um, little chit-chatty segment. Uh, with Nettie. I like yeah. it. Simple conversations with Topher, I love it. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting talking to all different people um, mm-hmm. about their perspectives on various things, and then uh, Sunshine is is uh, continuing this season with her own segment, um, Sunshine in the community, and uh, that should be amazing too. So we're uh, we're really packing the hour now, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, really, gosh, just
2: ooh, because yeah, because um, editing down uh, my new segment, yeah, it was. I had to like, you know, go through with like a fine tooth comb and just like pull out some really good moments, but you know, yeah, stuff that wouldn't fit because you know,
1: gotta yeah. cram it into that hour. Yeah, so I, uh, I think we can do it though. I I believe in us, Topher. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, can. no. I'm I'm
2: really happy with um with how that segment, but just how the whole show in general is going and shaping up and really, you know, finding
1: another, uh, tone and voice. So absolutely. Me too. So have you watched any new movies or, uh, TV shows? Um,
2: yes. I watched uh, this movie called Palm Springs, uh, with Andy Samberg and, I forget her name, but I really like the um, the actress. Um, That's unusual
1: I mean, for you. Usually, you impress yeah. me with your with remembering who the actors were, who the producers are. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: she is. Uh, for people that watched um, How I Met Your Mother, um, she's oh, really? the, she's the mother. She's okay, the one that uh, Ted uh, ends up with. Um, so yeah, so it's her um but it was but it's but it's a uh it's a groundhog day movie
1: yeah so, i saw it advertised and thought about watching it uh, but i haven't yet so so yeah. what would you rate it on a on a scale of one to ten uh
2: i would give it like an i'd give it like a seven and an eight okay. like like I'd tell people oh yeah like go watch it because it's a really really cute rom-com um but it doesn't feel like a rom-com it just like for most of it, it feels like a buddy movie.
1: Oh, okay. so I think that's why I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, watch rewatchability because I know that gives more points with you. So, would you say it's yeah. something you could rewatch? No, or, uh, yeah, yeah. right now, no.
2: But that's kind of like all movies because I just don't, I don't know, I just can't muster up the energy to watch a lot of movies. Well, another new thing with the show this season is we have a house band. Um, yes, we have finally ascended, Wendy, into yes. the late night and the talk show realm of officiality.
1: We have, we have. Even though we're from home, we figured out how to make it happen. And the band is called The the Buds, which they're all our buds we <laughs> I, yeah. I love just the, all the connotations of it, you know, and uh, so... So we're going to add to the conversation, Derek Wyand, he, um, he's been working on the show for quite a while. He was doing sound when we were in the studio and uh, mm-hmm. he's a musician. So, um, so let's add him to the conversation and talk about the Buds. Well, welcome back to the show, Derek, we should say. <laughs> it's good to nice, hear from y'all. Nice to see you. Um, so we were just talking about how we've added um, a house band to the show, the Buds. Which we love the name that you folks chose. So it's pretty exciting. How, how's it going over there with the uh, uh, with the music?
3: Honestly, it was a breeze. We thought it was going to be a little bit harder. Uh, you know, probably a long process. And uh, we got together an afternoon, and uh, you know, we kind of expected to be there until like midnight, maybe. You know. Yeah. And, we knocked it out in about two hours. And wow. uh, so the, like the creative process was, you know, very smooth. Everyone, we just jumped into it and knocked it out. And it was, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to turn out really great.
1: Awesome. And we, we love it. So Sarah then is one of the members of the BUDS. And uh, of course she's been on the show with making It Loaf. And, uh, and I think uh, also with PSS Trio, I feel like she's been on a few different times. Um, and, uh, and then we have Mike Kinkle, who actually books for the show also. You, you folks are all really multi-talented. We love that. <laughs> um, and then who did I forget? I forgot somebody. Tanner. Um, so what kind of music can we expect? Is, it, is there any sort of genre to it or...?
3: uh we we don't we didn't stick to a specific genre in fact we actually used different genres for each segment oh um, should i spoil it or <laughs> no, well,
2: oh well well they're about to see it so no i, I would say no oh uh, all right
1: well we I want know to be surprised th- we know it's <laughs> different genre for, for each segment so you want to be surprised tofer
2: yeah, on the genres, like I want to be like, ooh, what is what did they what did a bud interpret like as a health song, as a, <laughs> you know, what's a good song to introduce
1: music?
2: Yeah, these are questions. There
1: you go. <laughs> these uh, are questions we have. <laughs> Which genre? Well, it might be fun to have some kind of a contest to see if people can kind of guess the genre because sometimes it's hard people that aren't sure right mm-hmm. yeah. that might be kind of fun
3: yeah we got the health segment we got green zone we mm-hmm. got uh music and arts we got community and philosophy mm-hmm. and then of course the outro so that's kind of like the uh the mystery one right,
1: uh, Ooh, right? <laughs> yeah oh this is gonna be lots of fun can't wait um so how have you been with the the quarantine and that you were on one of our quarantine shows last season. How's it been for you there? Uh, quarantine's
3: been, I mean, obviously I miss going out and seeing friends and giving and receiving hugs. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I've, I I live with my band. So we, we get to create music and we're actually, spoiler, or what is this? Uh, not ah, spoiler, well, like news
2: sp- alert or um, breaking news
3: <laughs> teaser. Uh, Is it a teaser? teaser. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's but it's also we haven't we haven't uh, made it public yet. But the candid we're recording right now at the home. So.
1: Ooh the, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know we don't You know we love the candid, so that's exciting. Um, So are you going to be coming out with an album, or are we not supposed to give any more teasing to this?
3: (laughs) Um, uh, We're starting with a single, but uh, Mm -hmm. the goal is for an album. Um,
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, it's been so great to see you and talk with you. We're really excited about The Buds, um, and we'll see see where that goes. I think people are really going to love it. People have been fans of the show for quite a while, so... And the new mm-hmm. people, everyone's gonna love it. It was all great right. seeing y'all, or <laughs> talking.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, good seeing you
1: too, Derek. Ah, oh, miss you so much.
3: Yeah, I can't wait to get back in the studio.
1: <laughs> I know. If we, I wonder when that's gonna be, <laughs> I'm a little. I'm a little uh, I thought it would be by now, but maybe that was optimistic. Um, but when the time is right, we'll all be together again. Until then, we'll be together virtually. In today's episode, sponsored by Buffalo Co., 131 Inclusion Gallery, and Caris Healthcare, our guests are Dr. Brian Nickel, Tanya Sanders, Joelle Store, Hannah Withers, and the Traveling Squirrels. All right, let's get to it. In our health segment today, I'll be chatting with a registered nurse, lupus warrior talk show host, and survivor, Tonya Sanders. Welcome to the show, Tonya.
4: Hey, thanks for having me today, Wendy. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm so delighted that you're here. I've watched your show on on Facebook, and you're such an inspiration to so many people. So thank you for that.
4: Thank you. Um, That means a
1: lot. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about your story. And uh, so when did this journey kind of start?
4: Um, My journey started about 12 and a half years ago. Um, Like she said, I was a registered nurse. I was very active. I'll put it in a nutshell, kind of. I got diagnosed with advanced lupus. Um, I woke up one morning with jaw pain, uh, did the doctor route, um, did everything they said for eight and a half years, was polypharmacy to, um, to basically almost death. Um, until about three and a half years ago, um, and they sent me home. They, at 35 years old, they said there was nothing else left, and they were going to send me to hospice.
1: 35 years old, they're putting yeah. you in hospice. And how long ago was that? Um, about three and a half years ago. That was three and a half years ago. You said that. sorry <laughs> right. um, So, so three and a half years ago, the mainstream medical community said, "We've done all we can, and uh, you're going to die." Basically. Yep.
4: Yep.
1: So you're still here, and I'm really glad you're still here. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that process, because I am really familiar with that, having gone through some sim- similar uh, experiences with the health system. And so um, what's it like when they look you in the eye and say, you're, you're going you're, you're gonna to die, and we're going to put you onto hospice?
4: I looked at them like they were crazier in hell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me being a nurse, I looked at them and I, and I said to them, I've done everything that you guys have asked me to do. Mm-hmm. I've never abused anything. I've never taken more than anything. I've done three different kinds of chemos. I've done this and that. And I've been in, the, you know, it was a total mess right. you know, I, for eight and a half years. And then you guys are just going to give up on me and mm-hmm. just sit me out the door with nothing. They didn't even give me the option of cannabis. I'd never tried it before in my life. You know, um, right. I had been researching it for two years prior to, but I was so scared. I'm from Ohio. The stigma mm-hmm. in Ohio is horrible. Um, you know, I was scared that the cops were gonna come. They were gonna take my kids. You know, I couldn't even talk about it. I couldn't do anything about it. So I just researched it really, really heavy and in, in the closet about it. Mm-hmm. I never tried it until they sent me home to, and um, I started the weaning off process.
1: So it, it's not a first line option even now. That was three and a half years ago. Um, And it wasn't presented as an option at that time. Um, And so unfortunately it ends up being sort of a last resort after they've tried everything else and really pretty much what they have is pills, tests and surgery, right? So you ended up in this polypharmacy state and then in reading what happened with you, it looks to me like then other illnesses came out of that.
4: Yep, I would take pills for this and then other symptoms would appear from or side effects from the medication I was taking, you know, and then it was just a huge cycle of things, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I was taking steroids and then my immune system would be crappy and then I would get an infection and then I would be in the hospital and then Mm -hmm. I would be septic and then I would, it was just a huge cycle kept going around and around. The more pills they gave me, the sicker I got, the sicker I got, the sicker Mm -hmm. I got.
1: Yes. It's a, it's a vicious cycle, unfortunately. There's so many side effects and interactions. And they don't even know after two pills what the interactions are. So as a registered nurse, did you see polypharmacy in your practice? Did you see patients who ended up on several pills? and? Uh, yeah, but
4: I didn't really understand what they were going through until I had to go through it myself. Mm-hmm. So now that I went through it myself, I want to... Tell others you know maybe they're being polypharmacy maybe they don't even know what that means you know yeah. taking multiple medications for multiple different things right you know and they don't and they don't have to and I, we talk about that a lot on my channel you know talking to your doctor being your own health care advocate taking all your medicines dumping them on the table saying why why am I taking these why have I been on them for 10 years mm-hmm. when am I going to be able to get off of them you know we do yeah. a lot of that you know try to educate on my on my channel a lot Right, it's
1: that's excellent people definitely need to see an alternative point of view because Absolutely. when they're only presented with those options pills tests or surgery they think that's all there is so you're really doing quite a service
4: and there's other kinds of doctors out there and we talked we've talked about that too you know there's not just regular mds there's um naturopathic doctors Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people don't know the difference between a do and an md Mm -hmm. and the schooling that they have to go through and the the you know yeah
1: yeah so it's definitely really important to get that information out there and i know that you're doing that every week talking with different people and putting that out there and so i want to ask you about the tube that you have you have an ng tube in and what is that for why are you
4: having that now Okay, so in January, I ended up having endocarditis, and I ended up having to have an open heart surgery. Um, I had to have um, my aorta replaced, my aortic root, root replaced, uh, my mitral valve repaired. And then, so now, I also went into heart failure. And then, um, since my surgery, my heart was under so much stress and stuff, I have another valve that needs replaced. So I'm getting, I'm getting prepped. I'm getting ready to go in for my second open heart in six mm-hmm. months. So this is a feeding tube to get my nutrition up because they're afraid that um, with my nutrition, because my stomach set, shut down for all last year. Mm-hmm. I didn't eat anything all last year. And then that's what caused the endocarditis was from the TPN that I was getting through my port. Yeah. So so. You,
1: still, you still have lupus. You still have these issues that come up. So let's talk, uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little more about cannabis. because. You are still using the mainstream health system, the parts that you need, yep. but you've found some other ways to work with your health and the symptoms that you have, and cannabis is one of them, isn't it?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Cannabis, I always say, is the glue that is holding me together. If it wasn't for cannabis, I would, be, I would have fallen apart years ago. I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I would not be here still, you know, it's, it's the best medicine that I've ever taken in my entire life. And I can say that because I've taken about everything under the Right, sun.
1: Right. right. Unfortunately, you have lots of experience with pharmaceuticals and, you know, the difference is with pharmaceuticals, it's treating symptoms, right? It's very symptom driven, which in, when you went to school as a nurse,
4: it, was that kind of the path that you were taught? That was exactly what I was taught. You know, we didn't learn anything about the endocannabinoid system. We learned nothing about that. I had no idea about it.
1: Isn't it amazing? I know Dr. Uma, who I know you also know, she'll always say, how can we leave out a whole system out of your education? You know, it makes no sense really. Um, Because cannabis is what creates homeostasis. You know, so if you don't have that, then, then what, you know,
4: how does cannabis
1: help your, your illness and, um, and everything that you're going through, how has it helped you?
4: Um, like, like you just said, you know, I still do have lupus, you know, Mm -hmm. I still have these other things that are popping up, these diseases and things, but the way I treat them, um, is going to be with cannabis. I'm not going to take anything that's not necessary. Um, you know, I take, um, some, uh, I'm going to be on blood thinners because of my valves. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to be on those but I only take the necessary medications that I need. Um, And cannabis has, you know, it helps my nausea, it helps my pain, it helps anxiety, um, depression, inflammation. Um, I can actually be a mom again. You know, I wasn't a mom for eight and a half years and that's sad, that's so sad, you know? People can get back to their lives and not suffer. You know what I mean? I'm not suffering, I'm not cured, but I'm not suffering and I call that a win.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, some, um, illness we still will have to deal with, even though life has improved so much. Right. But it's a totally different life.
4: Yeah, it is.
1: (laughs) And your children, I'm sure are really happy to have you being more present, being able to mother them. It's so important. I'm sorry that you missed part of that and everything that you went through. I don't see you
4: do that. I, w- I want everybody to know that there's this option out there and not to be scared of it anymore. It's not a scary thing to feel better.
5: Mm-hmm. You know, we've
4: been taught and, and, um, you know, I was a dare kid, so I was afraid to death of cannabis. Afraid to yeah. death. Mm-hmm. And it's been the best thing that's happened to me. It's given me my life back. I'm still here.
1: Yes, you're still here and you're a warrior, you know. Thank you it's not just that you're still here you're really present and really interested in helping others and i love that Um, because you have a unique perspective you went to nursing school you understand how the body works and you've gone through this such a traumatic series of events you know
4: and i want to tell the truth you know i'm not that's why i take everybody on the journey with me with everything that i go through every Hospital stay that I go to now every every surgery I'm, I take everybody with me because I want them to see just how good I can do you know the day after my surgery I was up walking right after heart surgery yes. I mean the doctors were blown away the nurses mm-hmm. were blown away I'm like I got it you know I'm good
1: I'm good it's yeah. so great so what happens when you go into the hospital with the cannabis that you use
4: regularly. I see you already responding. <laughs> um, it's so challenging, isn't it? Um, there's no challenge here. Uh, Ohio, if I would go in with any kind of cannabis on me into, you know, our hospitals, um, I would probably be arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, still to this day, even though I'm a patient, even though I'm a card holder, um, you know, it's my medicine, you know, I would probably still be arrested.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's a big problem for patients. Um, So when you, the things that you're using the cannabis for are still an issue when you go into the hospital. So do you have to take other pharmaceuticals while you're in there to kind of get through?
4: Yep. They have to give me, I have to use what they have, what they allow me, what they allow me to use as their synthetic drugs that they give me, you know, that don't work worth a shit basically because they've ruined me. They ruined my entire system and then I have to go back and try to take these medicines that they ruined me with. Mm-hmm. But cannabis is what I need. They need educated, hospitals need educated, doctors need ed- educated, nurses. You should be able to use this in the hospital. You right. know what I mean? It has never killed anyone, and but yet they're gonna come in and give me Tylenol, which kills how many a day. Oh yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And how many people die from pharmaceutical overload every day? I forget the number, it's a huge number.
4: Oh my gosh I can not even imagine yeah
1: and and so um so you go into the hospital um and they you have to use their medicine and then I imagine when you get out you you uh have a transition process you know it's hard
4: Yep, it is hard but I'm like as soon as I get home I go straight back to my cannabis I don't want anything to do with like what I, I mean I only take what's necessary and what I have to and then I come straight back to my cannabis
1: yeah. It's amazing that when you're going through a serious illness and you end up on pain uh, drugs, how then you suddenly become questionable over time as are you taking too much? I heard you say, I only take what they prescribe." Um, that's true for, for really most patients. Um, and yet you start to get treated like a criminal, you know, where they're having you pee in a cup to see how much you have in your system and it that all of it makes no sense there's so much criminalization in our society
4: yep. we're 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 legal but we're not really legal at all
1: so many changes need to happen what do you think about a hospital that actually is a cannabis friendly hospital i've been thinking about this for a while
4: oh my gosh it would be heaven
1: we used to talk about, I used to work in nursing homes as a therapist and we, we used to talk about cannabis friendly nursing homes, um, later after I started using cannabis, you know, why, why are elderly patients excluded from the cannabis program when it can help so many things instead of all the pills that they're on?
4: And I think, I think actually, isn't it like seniors is the rising, I mean, their numbers are rising and seniors using cannabis.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So I think it's the largest group that's that's increasing actually is people over 65. Um, oh. And that that's been going on for a while, I believe. I don't have any statistics to quote.
4: But, <laughs> but, life back, you know, for a little bit, let them enjoy their life again.
1: Right. Stimulates appetite for people who have trouble with that. Um, it can help with Alzheimer's. There's so many things that it's good for. And right. it's not for every person. But I think that it, it, it should be a first line choice, you know, like we were saying earlier, um, if it could be on the list in, in the first place, then maybe people wouldn't have to go through the things that like what you went through.
4: Yep. They're definitely offered up front.
1: Yes, offered up front. But it would be very cool if we could have facilities that were cannabis medicine friendly. Um, That's my dream.
4: Was- that would be a dream, you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Yeah, let's see if we can get Dr. Uma on board. Yes, Dr. do this. I know, right? Um, so you're scheduled for an, another surgery, and I'm sure you'll go through it with the same kind of um, passion and grace you've gone through all these things with. Um, what are your hopes for the future?
4: My hopes for the future?
1: Medically, how do you, how do you, how do you, do you, do you think about the future or are you someone who stays in the moment?
5: Um,
4: each day? Um, no, I think about the future a lot. You know, I would just want them to go in and fix me. You know, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. None of us do.
5: Mm-hmm. And
4: I'm one of those people that, you know, live hard and love hard each day because I have been so crappy in the past before and it changes in a second. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I can go from great to on death's door in a second. You know what I mean? So I do love hard and live hard I want to see my girls graduate and get married and mm-hmm. you know I mean, I want to just feel better. You know, right now I'm, su- I'm suffering. And I looked at my doctor last week, my cardiologist, my surgeon. And I said, you know, this is really suffering. And he was like, Tanya, I know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I know. He's like, just let me get you prepared a little bit more. Cause it's mm-hmm. only been six months. You know, he said, I'm sorry that you have to do this, but you know, I just want to feel better. I just want to be able to live. Okay. Right. Absolutely.
1: I think I think it's hard um, to plan when you're not sure what could happen with your body, but what I see of you when I see you each week um, on Facebook with your show, you know, it seems like maybe that's sort of an anchor that kind of keeps you going. You know.
4: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> the more yeah. you connect with others and talk with others and help them, I find the same the same thing. It it helps me if I have a period of illness knowing that some people really need that inspiration and want to see it, I'll push myself. I don't know. Do you feel that way too?
4: Yeah, me too. Definitely. I always push myself always because I know there's maybe someone out there listening that maybe I can maybe impact their life a little bit. You know what I mean? Maybe there's that one person that's just going to hear me and I'm going to make that difference for them. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely.
4: Well, this has been a
1: great interview. How can people get in touch with you?
4: Um, anybody can reach me on Facebook, um, on, under Tanya San, or, um, I have another Facebook page that I do my Zoom rooms three times a week. Um, it's my pain, my battle, my story. And then, like I said, I do Zoom rooms, um, Tuesdays, Fridays, and Sundays as ladies' night. Um, Um, we're with the Walk for Change, you know, so if anybody wants to join us on Zoom, we would love for you to join us on Zoom, Wendy, whenever you have a chance. Oh, come yeah. in, come I in ladies and, and chat bullshit with us and, and <laughs> have a great time we have fun we do games and and talk about depositories I mean we talk about everything nothing's off limits so that's it's good. good
1: it's good to have to let people speak freely about the things they're concerned about their bodies their emotions whatever it happens to be so thank Definitely. you so much for providing that for people and um and thanks for being here
4: Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much.
5: Hi, everybody. It is Sunshine here, and I am in a very empty Maxine's. And as you can see, I've got Hannah Withers with me. And we are going to talk to you about businesses in the time of COVID. So first of all, I'd like to introduce Hannah Withers. She is the owner of Leverett Lounge. She's the caretaker of Maxine's tap Room she also is a part of a bunch of things that are going on that are handling all of the problems that we're dealing with currently, uh, trying to deal with small business in this particular time that we're in. Now, there's a couple of boards that she's on, and I, because I don't want to mess anything up, I would like for you to tell me, first of all, the Fayetteville Independent Restaurant Alliance. Yeah. Okay.
6: FIRA, Fira is I like that. an organization that uh, Reese uh, Roberts out of uh, Bordino's began as businesses were starting to close in March, and she saw a need for um, uh, an organization that can help restaurant people. So I wish I knew the numbers on this. Reese is, is really the brainchild behind it, but i give her a couple good ideas every once in a while. Um, also with Elliot Hunt from Atlas yes. and Chrissy Sanderson from Mockingbird Kitchen. Yes. And um, she, Reese has done an amazing job. She's taken in a ton of donations um, from our community. Uh, also applied for some grants, some national and some state grants. Um, we have, I think we've uh, been able to at least put out $30,000 back into restaurant employees who are either behind on rent. I need help with health insurance. We've helped people with grocery bills and um, gas bills, utilities, Um, it's a really simple grant process, and we've been able to help a lot of people from a lot of different kinds of restaurants in Fayetteville.
5: That That is amazing, because as we all know, restaurant work is day to day. And I mean, I worked in restaurants for 15 years, and it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I'll make more money tomorrow. You know, and I was young and I wasn't thinking about my future. And some people, it isn't even like that. It's just like, you know, you make the amount of money that you need to pay your bills and feed yourself and your kids and get some gas and you do the thing. And then
6: maybe take a quick vacation. Right. Team,
5: Ma- maybe. If you're lucky. you, know, or right? you might like that like a, a card. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe you go to Branson. I'm not me personally, yeah. but, you know, there's an ask for receipt. So. Also, you're on
6: a board that is part of the city of Fayetteville. Uh, The city, Devin Howland, who's our um, economic director, I'm not sure what his official title is, but he's sort of our um, economic development director at the city, Um, has put together a task force of some brilliant attorneys and um, startup junkie folks and people from the chamber and a couple of small business owners also to talk about. What's happening? We've been meeting once a week since the middle of March, and um, this is a COVID task force. This right? is a COVID task force. This is um, this is looking at um, there are grant programs in Seattle that, that in April that were able to help with some small businesses. Um, you know, there are cities all over the country that are doing things because they don't want to lose their small business culture, and yeah. so it's sort of a um, dry erase board meeting of what the issues are. Um, you know, we it's uh, easier for them, I think, to ch- take the pulse of small business owners and understand what's happening with their landlords and their lease contracts or, you know, what restaurants are really doing in sales compared to what they were five months ago. And I think um, Bo Counts from Pinpoint and I are sort of the token business owners that are on that board that are full of ideas and sometimes tears Hi. and all kinds of other things.
5: I can only imagine. Now, I don't know if all of you... Aware of all of the stuff that Hannah does inside and outside of her businesses and also inside and outside of this pandemic. But she's also one of the things that her restaurant Leveret Lounge has been doing is something called Feed the Herd, which twice a week uh, she feeds. I, I don't know the numbers. I know that uh, it is something that has fed many people who have not been able to either get some of the grant money that you've you've been able to procure some people who've needed that and also can't afford to go and get food can't afford to feed their families and so feed the herd is something that she that i think that's part of is that part of fayetteville
6: independent restaurant alliance and um, also we've teamed up with Fayetteville when you apply for a grant at FIRA then you can also check a box for food insecurity um we've been supplying grocery boxes to people that apply to also pick yes. up meals so we it started when our um both of our businesses closed we closed for four or five days before the state asked us to um we have a lot of people that are friends of ours and restaurant people that live all over the country. So we were watching what was happening in yeah. Seattle and New York and San Francisco, and they were sending us messages saying, whatever whatever $1,000 you're going to make tomorrow night is not worth it, and yes. you should probably shut it down. Yes. Um, I- so we did, and we also had a whole walk-in full of food um, that, well, we, that we had to deal with, and we decided to start feeding our staff. And uh, in, in true uh, restaurant, uh, a restaurant industry person, um, of not knowing what to do. We just sort of went to work and started cooking and staying busy. So we, um, asked our community for donations and people bought subscriptions to donate, um, meals for people that were unemployed, that were in our industry. We eventually opened that up to people outside of the restaurant industry. Um, there were a lot of people that are contract workers and 1099 workers or, or self-employed workers that weren't allowed to, to, uh, that didn't qualify for the state unemployment, and they were applying for something called PUA, which yes. had a lot of problems and took a really long time to get there. And for a lot of people, it never got there, and, yes. and a lot of people didn't act eventually qualify for that. Um, and so it's, um, it's sort of been a sense of normalcy for us. When we feed um, anywhere from 100 to 130 people a night. Um, we go up and prep. We in Within that sort of equation of feeding people, we've had... Um, know friends who have an abundance of cucumbers in their gardens that will bring us 40 pounds and
5: what she's trying to say you all is that the community has come together to make sure that their community isn't hungry and anything extra anything that they could do people who weren't put in a pinch were helped by this amazing woman and her industrious brain and the people that she's put together to make this happen, myself included, as far as being part of the herd and being part of uh, my small business did not receive any funding, and she she got me on board. Now, this is something, um, as much as what I want to do is concentrate on how amazing you are, because, I mean, I think that if, because uh, I can go on and on. So if you could break it down to the basic math that I don't think everybody completely understands, if you own a small restaurant, and what's the math behind making a profit or at least breaking even, how do you, how do you come up with that?
6: It's different for every type of restaurant. It's going to vary depending on your product and what you pay your employees, which we try and do well. Um, it's a little bit different for everybody but for a real simplistic breakdown uh, you know give or take for anybody I'd say 25% is rent and utilities. Um, We have 25% for um, taxes payroll taxes uh, liability, uh, insurance those sorts of boring not fun things we've got 25% of uh, cost of goods sold which is the cost of my spirit, the cost of my steak whatever it is that i'm selling you uh, cheeseburger whatever you want it to be are you hungry I'm very hungry. It, it can be whatever you want it to be um the other 25 we um you know we usually use that sort of for an emergency fund we can fix our broken air conditioning unit which could be ten thousand dollars if we need a new one it could be um you know we need a new roof or we have to recover booths or sort of maintenance sort of stuff and if there's anything left out of that 25 that's, that is typically then how get I get to, paid. Then you get to go to Colorado. Oh, maybe. Right. Or pay my mortgage. Right. Yeah. What, or you know bonuses if our employees right. earn them or whatever that extra is, and it might not always be us. But.
5: Yes. What I think is interesting and what I don't think people really understood is when someone is asked to run a business like that at 33% capacity, that math that you just told me is at full capacity. Yeah. So it's... Not virtually impossible. It's actually
6: impossible. You would have to pay come. for just the roof over your head. Our rent would have to come down considerably. Yeah. My electric bill at Maxine's, while we're closed, is $600 a
5: month. $600 a month and for us to sit here while it's closed, as you guys can see. Yeah. This is the one thing that I want to hammer home, everyone, and the one thing that Hannah said. I don't know, four months ago when this first started, someone brought up on Facebook, like, what do you think about opening your restaurant at 33%? And she said, if I could run a business at 33%, I would have never, I would have, that's how I would have started it. She wouldn't, why make more work for yourself if you don't have to, but you have to work a certain amount to be able to pay for what it is that you do. Hannah, Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. I hope to have you back on here sometime this uh, during the season. We can kind of check in and see what's going on with going COVID and everything in when the you- world. When
6: you have a good solid seven hours, we can sit right. down and talk about this. We'll all day long. really get I've serious. got lots of
5: thoughts. I know. I know. I love her so much. I hope everyone is taking good care of yourselves. And now we all get to wear a mask wherever we go. Uh, make sure that you uh, are following um, on Instagram and Facebook Maxine's Tap Room and Leverett Lounge. And. Uh, I'll make sure that everybody knows all the things and all the stuff about how amazing you are. Thank you so much, Hannah Withers. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you. Cheers.
1: And nickel yes out of North Little Rock yes and he sent us some medicine some CBG yes and some CBD and um, he kind of he titrated in these the dosage in these syringes yeah and then uh, asked us to take it 45 minutes before we interview him yeah to see
0: what goes on with us to see how we feel yes uh, if any of our symptoms prior uh, dissipate yes. or you know
1: so I have some pretty significant back pain right now especially on the left side and um, a little bit of neck pain some anxiety mm-hmm. I know how are you feel
0: one and a half day old uh, knee pain that I got on oh, this no. knee so I'll be looking at that mm-hmm. uh, I have a little bit of like a sinusy thing mm-hmm. I want to see if that touches it Let's or. see not. what
1: happens I brought these little napkins in case we spill. Oh. <laughs> I like it that, you know, he's very scientific about oh, this, and uh, dosing, and education. Yeah. We're going to learn all about that when we talk to him. But, so all just, right, so you just under the tongue? Or I'm going to put it under my tongue. Okay. Because it's usually a little quicker. Okay. I love that. I like the earthiness of it. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm going to take the CBD also. Um, right. And we're going to talk about these cannabinoids when we interview him too.
0: Yes. Got to get your cannabinoid knowledge
1: up. You do. You do. So, so we will see you in about 45 minutes. Yes. And we'll see how we're doing. Yes. And we are in the green zone. Today, our guest is Dr. Brian Nickel. Dr. Nickel is a board certified anesthesiologist who has been practicing chronic pain management for more than two decades here in Arkansas. Welcome to the show, Dr. Nichol. I see you two decades. It sounds really daunting.
7: <laughs> well, time goes by fast, Wendy. The older I get, the faster it goes. That's for sure.
1: It's true. I can attest to that as well. But well, we're delighted that you're here today. And uh, so, you were a practicing anesthesiologist, and how did you get into cannabis medicine?
7: Well, I tell you, uh, Wendy, when I was in the operating rooms and labor delivery, the intensive care units. Uh, pain management was a little bit of a sideline. I found I had a knack for it and did enjoy it, so I started doing pain management full-time. Uh, we do prescribe a lot of opiates towards uh, our chronic pain patients. It's a mainstay of the profession. I came under regulations where I had to do drug screens on my patients. Now, I uh, started noticing quite a bit of THC popping up on certain patients, and I knew that it really wasn't going to hurt them. I, I spoke to them a little bit about it. They mentioned how it helped them. Uh, maybe just relax so they didn't notice their pain as much. So for a number of years, Wendy, I just kind of looked the other way on it. I didn't penalize them for it. I allowed them to use it. And after a number of years, I started to realize, you know, my patients that were showing up positive for THC, they, they were not my problem patients. They weren't the patients that needed dose escalations in their narcotics, something for depression, anxiety, muscle spasms, sleep, and then something to fight off the side effects of the first medication I gave them people are better with less. And that's when I became interested in cannabis as a medication.
1: Right. So, uh, that is really interesting. So not a lot of pain doctors wouldn't have done that. And so I appreciate that you kind of gave it a chance, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and that you started to scientifically kind of look at it, you know, you're kind of seeing how is this working for these patients and how is it different than the ones that aren't using it. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so it's interesting, the medicine really helps so many different ailments, doesn't
7: it? It does. And, you know, that's, that's something that I have patients occasionally ask me, how, how, it, how it can work for so many different things. But it's more of my, my colleagues that are a bit dubious about cannabis as a medication. And, and that's most of them, actually. Uh, when I was in school, uh, they taught us absolutely nothing about cannabis as a medication. Of course, then they didn't even know there was an endocannabinoid system. Well, the curriculum hasn't changed since i went to school unfortunately uh my colleagues will ask me you know anxiety works for muscle spasms for pain mm-hmm. for inflammation for sleep you Now that, that's crazy talk one medication can't do it well it is due to the endocannabinoid system of course uh, for people who aren't familiar with it your body makes its own cannabinoids called endocannabinoids they're used as neurotransmitters excuse the hand puffs here but one nerve will make the endocannabinoid goes across the small space between the nerve cells and it binds to a receptor on the other nerve cell membrane. receptors a mm-hmm. big chemical group and when that endocannabinoid fits in there just right, it activates this receptor and causes this other nerve to do something different, changes its behavior and that 's how nerves communicate with each other. Now these endocannabinoid receptor receptors are ubiquitous they 're throughout all of your body tissues, they vary in which ones are where and receptor density and so forth. But they're present everywhere throughout the body with one exception, and that is the brainstem of your brain. I always like to tell my patients, God was very kind to us. He left endocannabinoid receptors absent off the brainstem, and that's the reason you don't overdose and die from uh, cannabis. Everybody seems to know that. Um, With these endocannabinoid receptors all throughout the body and the endocannabinoid system doing, well, it doesn't do one thing, Wendy. It is a homeostatic mechanism. It coordinates the activity of all the other systems in your body to keep you tuned up optimally for survival of the organism. You're just trying Mm -hmm. to live another minute or another day. All the different systems of the endocannabinoid system coordinates include thermoregulation, glucose metabolism, lipid metabolism, pain, inflammation, movement, mood, sleep, you name it, the endocannabinoid system. It's got a little tentacle in there somewhere modulating it. So you can it's see.
1: amazing, and it, more amazing to me, is that they don't teach about it. <laughs>
7: they, don't it
1: that. they don't teach health professionals about it, doctors, nurses, therapists, anyone. I mean, I went to school to be an occupational therapist many years ago, and worked for 25 years. I didn't know anything about it, you know.
7: And it, it, I, I I don't <laughs> anticipate a whole lot of that changing. I've had it, all of the education I've done, I've had to do on my own. And as you know from reading the literature, you have to sort through a lot of stuff to find out what's really going on with cannabis. And a lot of doctors also aren't comfortable with making their, their own uh, perspective on how to use it. Cause medical cannabis is very much the practice of medicine. Uh, yeah. More for my patients over the years than I can ever teach them.
1: Yeah. So, um, so you sent Topher and I some CBG and some CBD. And I want to talk about that because we've talked about the system but now let's talk a little bit about cannabinoids and what those letters all mean, and and why the CBG, I guess.
7: Well, CBG—it's interesting. It's a—it's a rare cannabinoid. Uh, most cannabis species produce almost none of it. When I used to see, I'd look at extended cannabinoidal analysis on strains produced. I'd see zero point two percent CBG show up, and I was very excited. That was a whole lot of CBG. Originally, when I was reading Dr. Russo's uh, uh, papers about CBG he was talking about what a potent anti-inflammatory cannabinoid it was. And I've got patients with psoriatic arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, multiple sclerosis, terrible inflammatory conditions. So I was very interested in seeing about obtaining some of this CBG. But you know, it's, it's rare. It's not present in most strains. Well, in Dr. Russo's article, he happened to mention that there was this one strain that uh, is a genetic mutant, blah, 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 blah. All it produces is CBG and it produces it in copious amounts. I was finally uh-huh. able to, yeah. I was finally able to locate some and I had 14.1% CBG available to me. Couldn't wait to start trying it out on patients.
1: We were really excited to receive the medicine and give it a try and see. Now I'm excited to
7: hear how you guys did because this is my favorite part. It's like the reveal of a magician
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> so great to have a doctor who really understands the medicine. It's hard to come by in many locations, especially when the programs are new. Um, so the fact that you took all this time to really educate yourself and help people understand the medicine better so that if they can use it and make it work for them <laughs> it's amazing so beforehand I had by the end of the day I have pretty significant SI joint pain and it was about a six really um mm-hmm. and so it's that was about 45 minutes ago maybe a little longer and now I would say it's about a two maybe even less it's barely noticeable like I'm moving my hips. <laughs> um, and then I was also pretty anxious. So I had decided uh, that I I didn't want to take the the full, you know, smoke a joint or, or use any other medicine. I want to see really how this worked. Um, and I, that's one thing that can be an issue for me is the anxiety. I have PTSD and anxiety. So, um, so it kind of like, just kind of
7: brought it down without the THC. <laughs> well, you find the combination of CBG and CBD are particularly effective for anxiety, particularly the CBD component, because it works on the same two targets in the brain that typical pharmaceuticals we prescribe, the benzodiazepines like Xanax and Valium, and the SSRI antidepressants work on. Uh, so that's why you're seeing a big improvement in anxiety is because of the CBD component of that. I will say CBG isn't as well studied. I have seen reports about it relieving anxiety. But it wasn't until my patients started reporting back the exquisite results with it that I noticed it's very useful for anxiety also. And I incorporate CBG as well as CBD into my regimen for a lot of my PTSD patients. Uh,
1: Topher, how did, how did you do?
2: Oh uh... Uh, Yeah, um, say uh, my knee is doing a little better. So I can't remember if we talked about the pain we had before. So I had uh, a little bit of knee pain and then I had some uh, muscle soreness. Um, I don't really know how like lactic acid works so it may be from that I don't really know fully what that means so I would have to say uh, even though it's a little like sore you know if you like twist to places where you would be able to if it's sore uh, the like resting is like not even there and even when I can tell it's there it's just like a one so yeah I mean it seems to yeah do really good
1: and you said you were feeling kind of anxious too like all over the place did it even oh, that? oh yeah
2: uh yeah yeah I think it did it definitely um uh, brought me out of that little uh tail end of the high so that was really nice that um it can be um well it seems to be be able to you know like if you take it after you know other uh thc heavy medicine it's like it's a nice uh transitional into, you know, no pain
1: and just, you know, relaxing. So, mm-hmm. Topher and I decided this was such a broad topic. We want to do a Wendy Lovett show with Topher Kogan extra with you again, so people can look for that in the, in the next couple of weeks. And um, yeah.
7: Look, I look forward to it very much. Uh, patient education is key to getting the best results you can from medical cannabis. With the lack of knowledge and a lot of the medical community and the prejudices that exist against medical cannabis, it's incumbent on the patients to really understand what they're doing as a medication.
1: Well, thank you so much for that. Um, and I hope that people will really start to understand how they can really make it work for them even better. Um, where can people get in touch with you?
7: Uh, I do have a website available. It's a Cannabis Expert MD. That is all one word, CannabisExpertMD.com. Uh, my office website is arcannabis.doctor@.com uh, My email address is ArkansasCannabisDoctor at gmail.com. Just started a little YouTube channel up. And uh, what else have I missed here, Sam? Uh, oh, I got a Facebook page. What was I thinking? Of course, Cannabis Expert MD, all of one word on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter also. Uh,
1: thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you again soon.
7: I look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me, Monday
0: everybody, and welcome to a new segment for the Wendy Love Ed show with Topher Kogan. Uh, what are we going to call it? We don't really know yet. And so the first guest that we have is Joel Stoye. Hey, Joel, how are you?
8: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm good. I've been weirdly uh, more and more like avoiding mirrors just because without having to get ready, like it just becomes like a disaster over here and that's kind of what I want to talk about not so much getting ready but just faces and how they're like weird and cool and so unique and different so you have a really extraordinary way that you are introduced to faces I guess
8: well I think it's very ironic that you're asking me on zoom to talk about facetime um, <laughs> But it's absolutely uh, important. Um, In addition to uh, taking care of mental health, um, um, starting to highlight the technological advances that we have to communicate with each other during these difficult situations. And, you know, having patients, being able to communicate with families directly over the phone. um, I'm not saying it's the best way, but, you know, there are people who had to deal with handling deaths in the family via FaceTime just by looking at each other face to face. And so um, I feel like that's very important um, to to really understand is how much people are starting to realize not only has this period taught us about a virus and social distancing, but it's starting to help us discover the beauty of being intimate and having somebody close to you. Like that gesture in your eye, it -hmm. just says so much, especially since people have been alone for so long and i hear this from people who tell me this and so you know i it's so i'm so glad that you're bringing up that point you know about face and um i, I feel like i'm able to revisit this as an artist because doing caricatures with people is what i like to do most so
0: mm-hmm. yeah um so well speaking of you making uh, portraits and you drawing faces I did so um there was a party that we were at had um the wall where people could just doodle on it and then I was just watching you and I swear it felt like two seconds went by and you just like picked out like a face and then just like just did it to refresh I can't even say you sketched it because it was it was just like a finished thing and I was like oh my gosh so I want to know just a little sneak peek into your process of just how you see faces, how you break down a
9: face. Um, I'm a big fan of math. I love math. I love math. Oh my gosh. Like not just math, but just depth perception and, and just measurements and it's just things that can be, you know, visually translated as opposed to verbally, as you can mm-hmm. say, I'm a very visual person. And so, um, to me, looking at faces has been something I've been trained since I was a child just reading comic books. Um a lot of the comic books I read growing up, like Tintin and Asterix, you know, a lot of those implemented like pop cultural uh references that were drawn in caricatures. And um that's something I just grew up to really appreciate and love. And at the same time, I was ever I've traveled in a lot of places. I was able to meet people from all walks of life. And I remembered them not just by their memories, but how they looked. And, you know, I've heard, you know, people say, oh, you're really good at this stuff. And I was like, I know, you know, but it's like, I never like, in in a way I've used it for myself <laughs> as a kid, not for the best reasons, but you know, um, <laughs> the one time where I was like, okay, maybe I could go with this somewhere was, um I was just back in college. And I was at a bar in Fayetteville. And um, there was a, um, I saw a hit and run Like I literally, I got out of my car and there was a hit and run and it was probably like 10 PM and it was just in downtown Dixon street and it was pitch dark, but there was one light out the window Mm -hmm. and I actually jumped in front of the car because she saw me run after it. It was stupid at the time, but I did run after the car and I said, Hey, you just hit this car. Like, and the lady was so drunk. She actually got out of the car. I, I can't see her face very well, so I kind of like started. She started you know, talking at me and yelling at me, and then she's and I'm kind of like I'm gonna kind of talk to her and slowly drag her under the lamp <laughs> <laughs> in the in the parking lot. And this was the before there was paid parking on Dixon Street, and and I saw her whole face was just loud and clear. She was talking at me, and I'm like looking at her face, and I just I go inside the bar, and I, I tell them call the police. There's a drunk driver out there who just hit somebody's car, and it was just. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm thinking about it. Is just. I remember it because I was, you know, the the woman came inside the bar and was trying to start a fight with me, and I was like, I kind of. I was hiding, you know, because mm-hmm. I was drawing. <laughs> I was drawing. Oh well, yeah. You had and, to get the police uh, sketch ready. Well, I didn't know the cops were coming. Yeah. So I just. I was drawing her to hand it out to the bartenders and i i drew her out and i gave it to the bartenders then the cops came and i was like you know hey um you know we we want to know hey did you see this accident and everything is like yes i did um i'm sorry i just she looked like i was describing her physically and i was very it was very close Mm -hmm. and then i was like wait i don't know if this can help but i have like a drawing of her and the cops were like actually that would be great (laughs) and i gave it to them and they're like wow that's that's really good. And, uh, she got arrested for DUI the next day.
0: That is some vigilante type Batman level. (laughs) That is amazing.
9: Yeah. I'll never forget it. Oh my
0: goodness. And have like, have like authorities ever approached you again to be like, Hey, can you come in and like be this
9: person? No, no, uh, no. Um, Mm I mean, it was, it was maybe a fortunate occurrence, but I definitely wouldn't have used that to my advantage just because, you know, like I said, some people don't like to have images of us drawn out or portrayed and, you know, some somebody could look back and say, hey, you know, that was me then. I'm not that same person, so. Oh, this tr- I did not think about it like that.
0: Yeah. Do you uh, uh, revisit faces that aren't um, self-portraits or?
9: Yeah, um, actually. It's every day in my life every day um, now painting portraits is a little more difficult because people are wearing face masks but you can still recognize them I love looking at people and being like, oh you got your that's your mom's eyes you know I love seeing parents in people's faces when I see somebody's face I don't see you I see well I see you first but then mm-hmm. I see your mom your dad your grandparents you know it's, all of your genetic makeup has a history.
0: And so to me, that's just fascinating. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of beautiful. It's like your family's story is like walking around on you. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's it. Um, Which is kind of like the bittersweet thing of these is that they're very short and they're very, you know, just bite-sized.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we didn't talk about Skyrim. <laughs> So, um, you had mentioned, um, what, what Noon Root? Is that the Skyrim thing? Yes. Okay. So I was, what, so afterwards I was thinking about it and I was like, so if you add Noon Root to like, say like a stew, would the stew give you powers or would it just make the stew
9: like extra, like good? Um, right now, it's if- like my boyfriend had a cough, I would give him crimson noon roots to, to stop. You know. Oh, okay. So it it would be if I lived in Arkansas, <laughs> it would be like <laughs> it would be like uh, aloe vera mixed with I don't know ginger and garlic and all that stuff. I mean anything that, oh. that against allergies in Arkansas would be great. Oh, okay, got it. Nice. Well, thank you,
0: Joelle Stroy. For being the first guest on whatever I'm gonna call this little philosophies maybe. What's your social media if you want people to check you out?
9: Uh, well, you can go to Harps. Um, I'm also in the meat aisle. You can check me out there. I'm just kidding. I'm. Goodness. uh, Yeah, I'm active on social media. Um, I, um, you know, we. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I have a few websites you can find me on. I'm also a represented artist with Art Ventures in WA. I highly recommend checking them out if you want to find out more about my work and what I do. Um, Aside from that, um, it's been really a pleasure to be on this show. Right on. I'll just say I look forward to many more conversations.
2: In our musical segment, sponsored by 131 Inclusion Gallery, we are premiering a music video and song by none other than the traveling squirrels called Troubadour. You can also catch them live on Facebook, July 23rd from Georgia's Majestic Lounge at 730 Central. (laughs) What? <laughs>
1: great show it's been what an amazing show it's been what a great start to season four we're off and running and I loved doing the new opener with you Topher that was so much fun and with everybody kind of sending their videos we pulled it together oh so much fun
2: yes thank you for teaching me how to tap dance (laughs) I think I I can go uh tear up the stage
1: You're a great student. And what a fantastic song that Will Brand uh, did for season four. We love that too.
2: It was so much fun filming the intro, you know, the dancing and, you know, the smoking. That was fun.
1: (laughs) I think everybody had fun. We love it. It just, this community and creation of this show is, is so wonderful and it was great collecting the videos and fun to create.
2: Yeah, and we wouldn't be able to do the show without our amazing sponsors. And mm-hmm. one of those sponsors that I want people to remember is from Buffalo Co. Uh, we have an offer code still active for twenty percent off. Offer code love L O V E, and yeah, the website is getbuffaloco.com. dot com.
1: Yeah, thanks for reminding everyone. Um, so let's let's t- list off our sponsors now. So uh, one of the new ones is Alice CBD. Mm-hmm. There's also Cares Healthcare. And as you mentioned, Buffalo Co. Mm-hmm. 131 Inclusion Gallery. That's another new one. And uh, they also sponsor the music segment. So uh, we love what they're doing. Uh, Purely Natural CBD. Highlands Residential Mortgage. Lit Smoking Supplies. NWA Natural Living and Back to Balance Wellness and Massage. Well, he's been Topher. And she's been Wendy. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye.